I don't know if I'm in trouble or if you're all in for a treat, but maybe a little of both. <laughs> uh, this is my first time doing anything even remotely close to this, so um, didn't have really any time to prepare, so it's going to be all God. Uh, and I was just, uh, when Jim asked me, jokingly, if I'd be willing to preach, I told him straight up, no. No, that's not what I do, that's not what I'm comfortable with. I don't know these people that well, I mean, thank you Earl for standing up for me, you know, we're, we're connected in that way, but anyway... Uh, Yesterday morning we'd gone fishing and just had a little time to sit and soak and the uh, Lord just kind of, his peace came over me and he, he's like, well, you got a story to tell, you know, I want you to talk about, talk about me, talk about God, that's the title of what I want to talk about, is talk about God. And anybody can do this. Uh, the Lord gives us each a story, he gives us each a book, a story to tell, a life to live. And it's all for his glory. Um, with that, you know, the question can be asked, why are we Christians? You know, why are we living the life that we live? And um, I fully believe that as Christians, God writes his story through each and every one of our lives. And um, I've got a story to tell. I'm going to share a bunch of that. But uh, I just want to encourage everybody to, to think about that as, as we go on here. Um, as many, many of you know, I'm not from around here. I um, was born and raised in Minnesota and uh, grew up on a farm. was never, ever, ever, ever going to leave Minnesota. <laughs> Nothing was going to pull me out of Minnesota. And, uh, you know, I graduated high school, started a job, uh, automotive mechanic. Of course, I lived on the farm and loved every aspect of the farm work. Um, looked forward to uh, planting and harvest, especially. Uh, harvest was my passion. And uh, 20, 20 years old, uh, the Lord tugged on my heart. This is right after Hurricane Katrina came through. And the Lord uh, tugged on my heart. And this is a long time ago, 14 years now. Um, I want you to go. I want you to go help with some of that relief. And um, it was that following. He told me that. I'm like, the hurricane come through on a Sunday morning, if I remember right. And the Lord tugged on my heart that following week. And... Uh, before the next Sunday, I just knew that I was supposed to go help somehow, some way. And uh, the, the call had come through, through the denomination of the church that I was with, that there was another church, similar denomination, that was going to facilitate some relief efforts. And they had put out a call to anyone able to come help. And our church responded and started putting together a team and uh, announced that that following week. I mean, it's very, very quick very, very, very quick. And I just knew that I was going to be on it, and I like, basically signed up before I told anybody. <laughs> and uh, to make a long story short, that was, uh, it really transformed my perspective on what God is able to do with just a regular person. Um, we went down, and there's a lot of tree damage. We just simply opened up driveways, cleared a few trees off of homes. But the most amazing thing I ever witnessed was how well that church had come together to help that community in that time of need. Um, they literally opened the doors, the volunteers come pouring in, and we set up cots and sleeping bags and food came from somewhere and they prepared it off in the corner and fed all the volunteers and it just, you know, we got the carpet stained and stuff and it was, we lived there and we based our operation out of there. Thankfully the church building we went to wasn't badly damaged. They had 
lot of cosmetic stuff, but it was still fully functional. It was just north of uh, uh, New Orleans, a little town called Covington. And it was from there that we based our little operation. And literally hundreds of volunteers came and poured in through that facility. And, uh, you know, the people that we were able to help, they couldn't thank us enough for the work that we did. And, uh, but the really amazing thing was what the Lord did in each and every one of our hearts while we were down there working. And I, mean, I came back changed. It was, it was just phenomenal. This, this had happened uh, it was this time of year, so uh, September. And then uh, we went down. It was, it was actually six weeks after the storm hit that we went down, so it's still relatively fresh. But uh, I don't know if you remember me mentioning earlier, I grew up on the farm, and, and harvest was my favorite absolute thing. I wouldn't do anything to miss that. Well, going down to help with that storm fell right during that time period, but it didn't matter to me, which I almost didn't realize until we were on our way back. <laughs> and, uh, but the neat thing is uh, we were only down there for 10 days, but we got back home, and there was some weather and stuff that had moved in, and harvest had gotten postponed, like, just for me. <laughs> and that was, you know, it was kind of like some little confirmation between me and God. And uh, so I was able to, you know, still do that that year. Um, so anyway, uh, after that, um, getting around to how we, uh, how I ended up in Texas. <laughs> um, so harvest was a huge key in that. That following Christmas, my dear mother had bought me a video, uh, basically glamorizing the harvest brigade, things like that. And uh, I wanted to do that with all my heart. It was just a passion that I couldn't ever put out. And uh, so I actually saw the video, loved it, and, and wrote a letter to the company 10 years after the fact that they made the video. I didn't even know if they were still in business. But anyway, again, to make a long story short, they uh, made contact with them, and they were God-fearing people, and I just knew that it was going to be the right fit. And you don't really hear that with harvesters <laughs> very much. And I uh, fit in with this crew, and uh, I did that for six years altogether. Loved every minute of it. They... Uh, you know, took me in as basically one of their own. Even though I wasn't really looking for that, they just came, became my new family, and they were based out of uh, West Nebraska. But uh, anyway, before all that happened, I'm going to bounce them back and forth. I'm sorry. Again, I've never spoken in public before, so bear with me. Um, the uh, Six months later, we got to revisit that same storm-damaged area, uh, our same church group. A couple of different people wanted to go a, a separate time, so we went again and got to revisit some of the people that we had helped the first time and um, did a little more extensive cleanup and, and things of that nature. And uh, it was just, it was a more, the urgency of getting things opened up wasn't quite as much. We were able to kind of get in and get to know people a little bit better. And we were doing a little more extensive cleaning, you know, kind of on the back sides of properties instead of the front sides. And uh, there was one instance I was up in a tree limbing some stuff. I mean, I grew up with a chainsaw in my hand practically. And uh, so we're doing stuff and doing stuff and doing stuff, and I'm kind of up limbing this thing, and I kind of think it slipped, and the bar's still turning it. Like, it was getting ready to cut my arm, and the thing just shut off. Just shut off. And I'm like, thank you, Lord. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, I told the other people around there, and they were just like, yes, thank you for your protection and everything, Lord. This is, uh, yeah, I haven't even told my family a lot of these stories. But uh, it's all part of my testimony, and it's all part of what God can do with a regular person. But uh, the next day, we were working on another guy's property, and I told him that story. I'm like, that chainsaw right there, the Lord used it to protect me while I was doing you know, some service with it. Well, it was about 20 minutes later. 
a good friend of mine, I was helping him cut a tree. He, he had that saw, and I was helping him push it over. And uh, just so that it would fall in the direction, there was just a short little one that broke off. And to make sure it would fall in the direction we'd get to it with our skid steer. And it, he got it cut off, and he was standing up with it, and the bar was turning. And that saw that the Lord had just stopped had caught me in the hand by the hand of my friend, and it didn't shut off that time. Um, I ended up with 34 stitches across my thumb. Um, so that was a little bit of a disappointment. That, but today, that's my reminder. That's my souvenir from that time. And I've got full range of motion with my thumb. Everything's fine. I've just got a cool story. But uh, so I don't have the exact answer to that because I just got done telling that landowner that the Lord had just stopped that saw. Okay, well, I just think the Lord used that to give me this souvenir to remind me of how that trip changed my life. Anyway, fast forward to my harvest days. Uh, it, was, uh, it was amazing. I mean, I was basically living the dream job, traveling from Texas to Montana and beyond. Um, every year, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Just loved every minute of it. I was disappointed when the season en ended. And... Um, the crew I was working for was was God-fearing crew. We would take the guys to church every Sunday. And uh, yeah, there was days, I'm just so thankful for it, where that harvest business had nothing to do with combines. And uh, we would be ministering to these kids that would come in. Um, they had rough backgrounds. They had X, Y, Z. And we could talk to them, and we could minister to them and just love on them. And they couldn't get away because we lived in a tiny little trailer. And... Uh, the lessons I learned from there, I mean, yeah, we still had people that were hard to get along with, and you had to work through some of that, and um, I could go on into other stories, but uh, uh, just watching how the Lord was working and moving through my life and growing me up as a Christian, um, there was something about getting out from under where I was comfortable in Minnesota and being on the road and having the opportunity to grow and basically evolve into who God wanted me to be, basically let God write his story through my life um, was so amazing. And uh, I guess I'll, I'll continue on with how I, I met my beautiful wife and got to be uh, Jim's son-in-law. Um, 2009, uh, we were on the harvest crew ride, made myself up to foreman, and our crews would split, et cetera, and I was in charge of one group. And so I was coming back and forth, checking samples, and uh, Jennifer over here was working at the Goodlett Elevator. So that's how we met, uh, very briefly in passing. Um, didn't have the guts to ask her for her name or number, none of that. An entire year <laughs> passed. <laughs> Had no way to contact her. Got through to the next year. Um, it worked out. I won't go into all the details, but uh, it worked out to where we exchanged information. Uh, essentially got to know each other over the phone because we're only here for a week. And uh, that in and of itself was, was kind of a miracle and a, and a blessing because I never dreamed that such an amazing woman would want anything to do with a weedy. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, we uh, got to know each other long distance. It was a very long distance. And uh, uh, goodness, fast forward to today, uh, we've got two beautiful little boys. We've been married, what, eight years now? <laughs> it seems like just eight minutes, but... Um, it's been great. So that's a little snapshot into what God's been doing in my life. I want to read, before I get any further, 
I do have a text. It's, uh, if you turn with me, it's 1 John 5, 1 through 12. All right, the heading there is faith in the Son of God. And this, if you remember back to my first, first question, um, you know, I just want to talk about God, and I wanted to ask the question, why are we Christians? So in here it gives us a, an excellent answer. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God, to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. It is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. We accept man's testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his Son. Anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart. Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony God has, this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. So the reason I wanted to share a little bit about my testimony is, quite frankly, because God works through it. And we can honor God in the ways that he's worked through our lives. Um, it's not comfortable for me to stand up here and talk in public, let alone whatever I'm talking about. But... You know, God just gave me peace saying, you can talk about me through talking about you. And, you know, I've been on this earth 35 years, and uh, you know, I feel like there's going to be a lot more to, more to come and a lot more to go. Um, but I want to raise my kids, my young boys, and uh, encourage them to let God write more of his story through their lives. And uh, it doesn't matter if you're one month or four million months, uh, God's not done. I mean, he's going to just continue to work and continue to, to go. And for the older generation, I mean, God's been working in your lives. He's, he's got things to say through your life that people need to hear. And I just want to encourage you to do that within your own families, within your own friends, within your own circles. Um, you know, just simply, God writes his story through your life, and how does your story read? Um, I've been reading through the Bible just very, very slowly. My devotional time is not probably what it should be, but I've been diligent with it. And um, it took me about four years, but I made it through the Bible, cover to cover. And then I got to the end and was like, what now? And there's tons of great devotionals, and I fully intend on getting into several of those at some time. But I just started over. I started over reading the Bible. And I'm just really taking my time and digesting what's in there. And um, I can't help but compare 
part of my story and part of what God uses to communicate him, but through the people in the Bible. And a couple that really uh, point, out, point that out to me here recently is uh, Joseph. When he was uh, sold into slavery, um, sent to Egypt, I mean, I'm sure he never, ever in a million years thought that he would end up in Egypt as a, as a slave. I mean, he was comfortable with his people, with his family. Life was going good. They had the sheep going on, and he was going to, you know, be rocking and rolling in that way. And there's nothing wrong with that. But God took this regular person and put him in a place to make an extraordinary difference. And uh, I can just kind of briefly outline his story here, um, particularly after he gets to Egypt, starting in Genesis 37. I'm just going to paraphrase here for a little bit. Um, Okay, so 37 is where he's having his, uh, God gave him these dreams. And uh, uh, he was, God was working in his life before he even knew what was going to happen, which I think is totally cool. Um, but then let's fast forward to, uh, to 39, because God just really, really worked through him. Uh, starting in verse 2, uh, the Lord is with Joseph. This is after he got to Egypt and was sold into slavery. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered. He lived in the house of, the, of his Egyptian master. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything that he did. Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. I mean, that's, that's totally God, because you're not just going to pick up a slave and let him <laughs> run things for you. Um, so uh, Potiphar recognized, even though that it was the God that Joseph served wasn't necessarily, wasn't the God that Potiphar served, but... Potiphar recognized the power and the efficiency that the Lord had bestowed upon Joseph, this regular guy. And later on, uh, Joseph got framed for something that he didn't do and ended up in prison. So, sold into slavery, you know, basically running Potiphar's house, got into a, a you know, bad situation that wasn't his fault and ended up in prison. But even in prison, verses 39, or chapter 39, 20 through 23, um, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care, because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. I just, I just think that's really cool. The story actually goes on uh, again. There's a, a couple years transpire. Um, the, the, he has uh, some dialogue with the cupbearer and the baker, and he helps them out in prison. And uh, the opportunity comes up for Joseph to interpret a dream for Pharaoh. And the, the cupbearer didn't really hold up his end of the bargain about helping Joseph out in that, in that point, but 
nonetheless, uh, Pharaoh hears that Joseph is able to interpret dreams, and Pharaoh has this dream that's just really bugging him. So he calls on Joseph, and uh, Joseph is able to interpret the dream only by God's power. And it goes on to say in 41, so after all that, So again, uh, so Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He made him ride in a chariot as his second in command. And men shouted before him, Make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift hand or foot in all Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zephaniah, and gave him Asenia, daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. And Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. Um, and then there's, this story is just fascinating. It's fresh in my mind, so that's what I wanted to share with, with you all today. But it's just absolutely fascinating about the reunion he has had with his family later on, the, the seven years of of uh, prosperity and the seven years of famine and how Joseph's able to just plan ahead and take care of everything by God's help. Another regular person that God used in an extraordinary way is, uh, is Moses. And everybody's heard the story of Moses. Um, he was, uh, um, this is later on uh, after the Israelites had uh, multiplied exceedingly and, and were uh, a sizable portion of the population of Egypt. Moses, in an effort to save his life, his mother put him in the, in the river, which is what was commanded, <laughs> just not in a boat. But uh, I think it's hilarious and, and awesome how God moved him right on up through the ranks and took that regular person and placed him in royalty. And then uh, it ended up getting murdered the Egyptian and, and went on to... Uh, spend some time in the desert and get close to God and, and I feel like he would have been more than content to just live out his life in the desert like he was he, he had his story <laughs> it's, it's what I'm thinking that he was his mindset was but God had other plans he had other plans and from the point where he encountered the burning bush it just it rocked his world and Moses Kind of had the same response I did to Jim. He's like, no, don't, don't make me do it. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not going to do it. And I like how the God, or God and Moses actually conversed back and forth audibly. And uh, I've, I've never had that, and I'd probably be, you know, shaking in my boots if anything like that ever happened. But uh, I love how Moses, here, let me just read it right quick. Exodus 4. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight, makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, O Lord, please send someone else to do it. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, Well, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and his heart will be glad when he sees you. 
You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if, you, as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. So after reading that, I mean, I kind of included it here, but it was as much for me as it was for, uh, uh, for you all here today that uh, it's not my words that will necessarily bring anybody any closer to God. But it's God's words moving through humble servants, which, you know, I'm preaching to myself. I haven't always done the best. But uh, he's faithful. He's just. He's true. Um, I did want to share just a little more about my time in uh, Nebraska, which the, the city that we were in was Imperial, Nebraska. And I know this is going to turn into a, a little bit of a rabbit trail, but the hunt's pretty good. So um, my little claim to fame is uh, y'all have heard the book, movie, Heaven is for Real. And that family was from Imperial, Nebraska. And we had no idea any of that was going on while we were there. We knew the family. It's a small town about the size of Quanah. And uh, without the main highway going through it. But regardless, we all knew each other. And Todd Burpo had a side business. He was also a pastor, but he had a side business of overhead garage doors. And the building that we had put up for our business, we used him to do it because he was the best one in town. So well, we knew who everybody was. And uh, evidently, their, uh, their experience had happened before all this. And they waited eight years before they went public with any of it. But uh, I don't know if you've heard of the book or not, but... And I don't know them really well, but I knew who they were, and I know that they weren't out to publicize anything that didn't actually happen. And they waited because they were really cautious of what might happen to, you know, as far as protecting their son Colton and the rest of their family from all that public exposure because they, they weren't about any of that. And I think Sonia was a little more uh, reserved than Todd was, but they uh, perfectly waited until the time was right. And it was about the time that they were writing the book that uh, we were spending our, uh, or I was spending my time out there. Um, so to watch them go through that experience and, and, and the stories that they've shared, I mean, they're, they're for real. Heaven is for real. Um, I actually had a conversation with Todd about a month before I moved to Texas. And this is after everything was really um, getting big. And he's just like, you know, pray for us because we want to honor God in every step of this. Um, but it's hard when there's people that are critics. I mean, he's not bulletproof. He's another human being who is afraid of some of this. So um, he's just really genuinely, sincerely wanting to honor God with everything that he had for him through this experience. And if they could help other people who've either lost family members or to give hope or whatever, that's what they wanted to do. And uh, it, it just blows me away that, uh, that the impact that that story has had uh, around the world, really. Um, that's uh, basically uh, what I've got. Um, and this came to me this morning. This is just something to kind of sum up what, uh, what I'm talking about here. And I knew this wasn't going to take long. Like I said, less than a day to prepare it. I've never done this before. <laughs> but... The Lord laid this on me, um, and I've talked to, well, talked to a few people. I've never had this happen to myself, but you hear stories where a person's life will flash before their eyes right before they get into a, a, like a traumatic experience or a traumatic uh, event. And uh, 
like I said, I've never experienced this, but the Lord laid this on my, on my heart this morning. If your life were to flash before your eyes, is there enough Jesus in there to give you peace about what you're going through? And uh, that hit me. I mean, that's huge. Keep pressing in. Keep pressing into Jesus because he's there for you no matter what you're facing. Um, heaven is for real. <laughs> so keep pressing in. I'd actually like to close with, uh, with the same passage that we opened with because it's, it's incredibly important. 1 John 5, 1 through 12. And I'm going to go ahead and just, just honor the word here and read it through. And I want you to listen to it as well. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God, to obey his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. We accept man's testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his Son. Anyone who believes in the Son of God has this testimony in his heart. Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I'm going to close with that. That's really heavy, but it's really important. Um, like I said, I'm just a regular person, but I love Jesus, and I want people to know more about him. And if sharing my story, living my life, just doing what I do, I'm a, I manage maintenance for a peanut production facility. So, I mean, it's not exactly standing up front preaching the word, but I can still share the gospel without even using words. So it's, it's all in how I let the Spirit work through me as I'm dealing with problems, as I'm dealing with people. Um, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how you live your life as long as you live it for Christ. Um, I've, never, uh, I've never sat with anybody and prayed the sinner's prayer. Um, but I would like to extend that invitation to, to people this morning. If there's anyone in here who has never heard, never prayed the sinner's prayer to be born again and to guarantee your spot in heaven, I would like to extend that invitation to you this morning. It's never too late. This side of heaven, it's never too late. Heaven is real. There's a whole lot of people that love to see us all there. <laughs> so, I thank you for this opportunity.